Is it, is it cozy? <laughs> Good. You know, um, as I was watching you all come in, it was one of those things that just uh, struck me that the song right before we get a chance to um, just kind of have a brief meditation here is a song that Pastor Carlos sings, which is, um, and he sings so beautifully, which is all as well. But I know that's not the reality that a lot of you have been experiencing in the past couple of months, and we've talked about that as a church. You know, this has been an incredibly painful time. And so it's very difficult to come into a setting where we're spending all this time together focusing on Christmas without the absolute distraction of how can I sing all as well when all isn't? How, do, how is it that we get to a point in this service where we're going to sing Silent Night? A song that talks about how si- the silent night, it's a holy night, all is calm, all is, all is bright, all is right, and, and that's not the reality. Well, the re- reality is, is that even when that song was written, the song that that was written about, the moment and that nativity, it was not all right. It was not all calm. Jesus was born into a world full of disease and depression, slavery, brokenness. Jesus was in a manger that was filthy and rotten. He would grow up to a people that wouldn't accept him. So how do we sing Silent Night, which seems so absolutely counterintuitive to the reality that we sing? Well, part of it has to do with the fact that we, we see why, the fact that Jesus was going to be the fulfillment of what took place in this passage. We talked about part of this passage this past weekend, and it says this in Isaiah chapter 9, the first seven verses. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, as light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So he's someone we can trust. He's more wise than anyone that we could possibly seek wisdom from. He's someone who's more powerful than any government that we could try to rely upon. He's the Prince of Peace. His empire comes by way of peace, not by war. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and on and on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, the reality that we have is that this Messiah that was going to be born in the manger was coming into a dark and broken world that was not silent, where things were not all well. Things were all broken But when he came into this world, he was going to do something and everything that he touched would be transformed. And we see that he hasn't stopped then. He didn't stop in the first century, but he's still doing this. He's still entering into the brokenness, entering into the darkness and bringing light. We we see Jesus doing this all throughout history. We see this in the date we celebrate Jesus' birth. When do we celebrate Jesus' birth? This isn't a trick question. (laughs) Wait a minute. Yeah. 
December 25th. Do we know that that's when Jesus was born? No, we don't. In fact, there's a lot of people who believe he was born in the spring. The fact that it's December 25th has a lot. In fact, the early church fathers didn't even really think it was that big of a deal, the nativity. They thought the crucifixion was, that was where the spotlight needed to be. And it was over time in the Middle Ages that people started saying, yeah, but he came as a human. Let's, let's focus on that. When should we put the date? Now that comes, rolls back to the Roman Empire when all of a sudden this minority movement starts to spread out. And all of a sudden, all these people who were oppressing Christians and beating down Christians and, and having Christians thrown into, the, into like the arenas with the lions, all of a sudden started having their heart transformed. And everyone that Jesus touched gets transformed. And over time, the movement grows and grows and grows. And all of a sudden, they start realizing, you know what we do in December? Well, it's like right when the, the time is getting darkest, 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 but then there's a shift right around the winter solstice when all of a sudden the light starts to break through and emerge. And we have this huge uh, festival to, to, the, to the god Saturn, Saturnalia, and it starts on December 17th and it goes all the way up to, the, to December 25th. On December 25th, we celebrate the unconquerable sun. The sun has returned. Saturn was an agricultural god, and so now all of a sudden the crops have got hope that where there's death, life could come up. And so now all of a sudden these guys who are in power are starting to become Christians. And they're like, Saturn's a joke. But Jesus is real. But it's really nice to celebrate. When we celebrate, we set the captives free. We set the slaves free. We, the, the masters actually served the, the servants in Saturnalia. People celebrate for hours and hours and days on end. But Jesus has done that for us. He set us free. So let's chuck Saturnalia and let's, let's celebrate Jesus because he is the unconquerable son. In him, life has returned. We look at the state that we celebrate Jesus' birth and isn't that just like Jesus? Coming into something that was empty and pointless and bringing life. But we see it also in the lineage leading up to Jesus' birth. If you look at the, if you look at the, uh, the Matthew account, whenever we read through genealogies, it's, it's super boring, Right? Yeah, we skip over those because we, I don't know these people and they mean nothing to me. But if you study the lineage of Matthew, you see that, that Jewish custom was to include in your lineage people who were important, who could show this person's massively important and massively powerful. Why? Well, look at all the important people in their lineage. And the people that were kind of a joke or embarrassing, the, the people in your family that you would not want to include, you know, in the family picture, they get kept out of the genealogy and you only put the highlights, the highlight reel in. But in Jesus' lineage, in Matthew, you see scoundrels and scandals emerge. You see women. You don't put women in lineages and genealogies in that first century if you wanted to showcase how important you were. But Jesus' lineage included them, included prostitutes, included scandals that would make Maury Povich blush. And they're included. Why? Because it's just like Jesus. Because he didn't come for the healthy, right? Who did he come for? The sick. The broken, the people who understand that they need him. The lineage leading up to Jesus' birth shows that everyone that he touches is transformed. But it's not just there. It's even in the cultural trappings whose volume and intensity drowned out the birth of Jesus. It's so easy to get freaked out about like, well, do I go to Walmart or do I buy it on Amazon? Which is going to be the better deal? Should I get Amazon Prime? People say I should. And all of a sudden, in the midst and the myriad of everything, we forget about the fact that who Jesus is and what he came to do. But even that can't drown him out. And no matter how secular a society can get, it's, it's 
funny to watch people as they, they're dialing back the reality of where this all comes from and where this all comes from is a spirit of generosity. Where is that rooted? In the manger. The concept of giving gifts comes from the greatest gift that was given in Jesus. And there's not a single cultural tradition that can trump him. And even in the midst of the myriad of everything that we hear and see and sing, there might be a different message. Jesus still emerges. Even when we try to treat Jesus like Santa. Sometimes we do this, don't we? Like we, we kind of boil it down to, okay, well, okay, the good, well, they receive gifts, and the bad, they receive nothing. It's kind of the, the whole Christmas story with Santa and stuff. And sometimes we do this with Jesus. Well, the good people obviously are going to get the good gifts, and the bad, we're going to receive nothing. That's kind of the, what the messaging is. And we do this with Santa. Seriously, you better shape up. Because if you don't, no Xbox One, I'm serious. It's gone. Julie took uh, all the kids that were in that musical two weeks ago to an old folks home, a nursing home in Morris. And she asked me to dress up like Santa Claus, which was really weird because I had to shove a whole bunch of people's coats underneath here. And I was having a wardrobe malfunction the whole time as like arms are coming out of my stomach. But I'm walking around and all the kids knew exactly who I was. But I was going around and I was going to these folks that are in their 80s and 90s. And I've got a bag full of gifts that the kids made for them. And so I go up to each person, and, I'm, and it was weird. Like, what do you say to them? Well, what does Santa say before he gives gifts? Well, yes, that too. <laughs> but there's a little prerequisite, right? And so I'm talking to this, like, 88-year-old guy. Have you been a good little boy this year? <laughs> and he's like, no. It was awesome. One lady's like, no, I fell and I broke my hip. And I'm like, no, that's okay. It's all right. But we do this. We treat Jesus like Santa. And yet Jesus, what does he keep coming back to? No, he puts his foot down. He says, that's not my message. I mean, that's a cool cultural message. But that's not my message. My message is better than that. See, in my message, it's not the good who receive the gifts and the bad who receive nothing. My message is that our good God came to rescue our bad heart. The fact that Jesus comes in and he says, yeah, you can call these people good and call these people bad, and I'm actually seeking to save all. That through me, through what I did, all would be rescued. So that there's no one left out. This is for everyone, no matter who, what your background is, no matter what you've done. And this is still our story. And he did this not because we could earn it or we could, we could do anything for it. He did this, why? Because he loved us. If you did research behind the people who wrote and sang the songs that you're singing tonight, you're going to find a huge list of people who are drug abusers, alcoholics, people who have struggled with mental breakdowns, who had personal tragedy that would make us feel like our life is good compared to theirs. And yet through the brokenness and the, dry, the tears that were going down their face, they wrote lyrics lifting up the name of Jesus. Why? Because he touched them. He impacted their lives. His reality came in. And when Jesus does that, he transforms us. He does the work. Isn't that just like Jesus? He does this every single time. And so when it comes to the question of how do we possibly sing Silent Night, the reality comes because of the fact that 100 years ago, 100 years ago exactly tomorrow, 100 years ago tomorrow, something took place. See, the song Silent Night was written in 1818, but it wasn't really popular, except for a little bit in Germany. 
It got out a little bit in Britain a little bit, but it wasn't hugely popular. But on one night in World War I, there was a truce. These two battles that had come to this, this line where they're shooting at each other and killing one another, they decided that on December 25th, on Christmas, they were going to have a truce. That They were going to no longer do anything. They were going to shoot each other. They want to take each other out. And one of the sides started singing Silent Night. The other side starts to cheer and joined in. And then all of a sudden, one by one, they started to come into the no man's land area. And they shared food and drink and gifts. They made a soccer ball out of something. I have no idea what, but they started playing soccer with each other. See, the reason we sing Silent Night is because that Savior who stepped into that war zone and gave this alleviation, this moment of peace, is still doing that, but on a huge scale. No matter what we're going through, no matter what darkness we have, we know that despite and in spite our circumstances, he is still the Prince of Peace. He is still the wonderful counselor. He is still the King of Kings. Amen? And so when we think back to those guys who are so tired of fighting and had that one moment of worship, we remember that Jesus is still working in our midst. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he called him. He gave him the name Jesus, which means God rescues. Where are you right now in the midst of the chaos and the brokenness and the darkness of your world? Where are you in the management of the difficulty of this world? Are you doing this alone? Or are you depending on the one who saved your soul? Who took care of that peace one in one act on the cross that started with that very humble manger. The fact that Jesus didn't come in as a triumphant king but came in as a humble child which eventually was humbled on the cross. It's because of that message and that story that we sing Silent Night, that we have hope in the midst of the darkness because he is our light. Amen? Amen. Amen.